There we go. If something pleases God, my question is, um, how will you stop that which pleases Him? Yes. Mm. How will you stop it? Even your sin, even the things that that you are doing in disobedience, will not stop Him. Because God is so far greater than sin, He's so far greater than our shortcomings. Because He's love. Mm-hmm. And love never fails. And He can do all things. Isaiah 43 7 says, Everyone who is called my name, everyone who is called my name, whom I have created. So everybody that is created is called by His name. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. He says, Everyone who is called my name, I have created. I have created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. There are three things there created for his glory, formed him, and made him. So you were created. You were formed and you were made. Three things. And we talked in the last session more about that. But the thing is, you were created. Create means to speak into existence, that's your spirit. Because you were born, not of corruptible seed, but the incorruptible seed, the word of God. So you were spoken into existence by the word. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Right? That's God's word speaking, that's power. You cannot return what it's done. Right? So he created it. Then he formed a body. And then he made a soul. And then he brought these three together. And everyone has a function. Everyone has a purpose. And if any one of those misses its purpose, it's called sin. Because it's living in a mistaken identity. Sure. It's not living in that which it was created for, so you're living an, another life that God did not speak into existence. Yes. So it's very important. So sin is a mistaken identity. It's not believing in your sonship. It's not believing that you were created from God to begin with. Every single person on the planet, planet was born of God. Yeah. You know when a new baby is born? Where does that spirit come from? It comes from God. It doesn't matter if it was the product of sin. All life comes from God. It was God that spoke a word and that brought life. Let me give you a scripture. Psalm 82 verse 5 says, They do not know, nor do they understand. Why? Because their minds became carnal. They, they, they don't understand it anymore. They've lost their knowledge. They, they, they lost their knowing. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said, this is God speaking. I said, you are gods. And all of you are, are children of the Most High. Amen. Sure. But you shall die like men. Mm. Why? Because the carnal mind is dead, Romans 8, 6. 
And if you have a death mindset, as a man believes in his soul, so is he. Mm. If you have a death mindset, you will die like a man because you think you're a man. Yeah. Because you don't realize you were born from above. You think you were born in the natural. Yes, you were, but your spirit came from God. Yeah. And your spirit is essentially who you really are. Yeah. Your soul is what you develop into. Your body was formed from the dust of the ground, and that becomes the expression of whatever you believe. And God created you to express Himself so that you could be the glory of God manifested here on earth. The purpose and the will of God manifested here. Your soul is what you what you what what you become. What, yeah, because your soul is influence. Yes. Your soul is a garden. Right? Jeremiah 31 12 says your soul is a well watered garden. Now if you have a garden that's well watered, whatever seed you plant in there will grow. Yeah. And you can make the same ground, you can make it a a cornfield or you can make it a, a wheat field or whatever. It depends on what you're sowing there. Mm. So whatever is sown into your consciousness. That is what you will become. Sure. But if you get the in input from your spirit, and your mind is continuously influenced by what flows from the spirit of God, there will be a mature Christ emerging. Sure. Because it will be worked. Amen. The word of God. Sure. Okay? So receive with meekness the incomplete word, James 21. Receive with meekness the incomplete word that is able to save your soul. And the end of your faith, the end of faith, is the salvation of your soul. Amen. You see, our thinking needs to be saved. The way we think, that's why Jesus came and he said, uh, he said, repent. And the word repent doesn't mean confess your sins. Repent means change your mind. It means let alone. That's the whole thing. Jesus came for one purpose, to change our minds. That's why he was crucified in the skull. Golgotha, Calvary. Because he had to go in there, he had to go into Hades, he had to go into death, into the carnal mind, where death is kept, where the habitation of death is. He had to go in there and sort out death, conquer death, to restore our thinking to what it's supposed to be. Right. You buy like men and fall like one of the princes. And that prince that fell was not Satan, please. He was never a prince. The prince was Adam, son of God. In Luke, when you look at the, the genealogy, you will find that Adam is listed there as son of God. Why? Because he was one of the princes. All right? A son of a king is a prince. Mm. Right. And the king of kings have princes that are also kings. That is who we are. Now, the spirit man and the soul man and the body are different things. In Genesis 1, he said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Now, listen. The, the words of dominion was never given to the soul man. 
was never given to Adam. Well, the church thought it was given to Adam, but it wasn't. It was given to the spirit man. The spirit man. Let us make man your image, let them have dominion. So God created man in his image, so it's done work. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Then God blessed him, God said, be fruitful, listen to what he's telling the spirit man. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Subdue and have dominion are kingdom words, you know that? It's a rule and a reign of God. Subdue and have dominion. And God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. The interesting thing, when you look at um, oh, Genesis 9, after the flood, when God gave Noah, all the people were gone, only Noah and his, his, his family was left. And this is, the, this is what God tells, tells him. He says, as for you, Noah, and your family, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. But there's no have dominion and subdue. Sure. Okay. Why? Because there was no spirit man there. But Adam was, Adam was this soul man that he's talking about. But the spirit man in Adam, the spirit man that was created in God's image and likeness, do you know who's the image and likeness of God? Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.16 He is the image of the invisible God. So when God creates someone in his image and his likeness, he's creating him in Christ. Okay. So in other words, Christ was the spirit inside Adam that was to be joined with the human spirit of Adam. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. But the way to join it was to eat of the tree of life. Because then you would have eternal life. And that eternal life that was coming from the tree of life would influence Adam's mind with knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. And John 17 verse 3 say, says that this is eternal life. To know Him, God, and Jesus Christ who we are saved. So Adam never knew God and Jesus Christ. But he walked with him every day. Well, many people are going to church and they read the Bible and they pray, but they don't know him. And Jesus said, uh, you will pray, you will cross out demons and do wonderful works and miracles and all that. But I will say to you, go away from that, you don't know you. We're talking about knowledge and intimacy. That's what the word know means. It means to be intimate with. Um, when you read uh, Genesis 4 verse 1, and Adam knew his wife Eve. He knew her. And she became pregnant. And she bore a son. This intimacy, that type of knowledge, it's a different, it's a knowledge, it's the type of knowledge that you receive through intimacy. When you're intimate with God, you will fill your land, your ground, your garden with his word, which is the seed. And when he fills your mind with the seed of his truth and of his word, it will produce him in you. That's what the word is. So the spirit man 
was absolutely perfect. He was created, spoken into existence. Do you know that that spirit man cannot sin? First John 3 verse 9. Let's read that with me. First John 3 verse 9. Listen to this. He says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. How much clearer can you get it than that? So the spirit man could not sin. So if the spirit man could not sin, it means the spirit man could not die. If the spirit man could not die, it means it wasn't your spirit that was raised from the dead. It was your soul. When you look at it, um, what, what is the carnal mind? It's your soul. To mind all your emotions. To be only minded is death. What needs to change? Your mind, not your spirit. When a person dies, Ecclesiastes 12 7, when a person dies, what happens to him? The word says his spirit returns to God to pay him, and his body will turn to the dust from which he was taken. So the spirit returns to God. Nothing can, nothing can change that. God made it. He created it. Nothing can change that. The spirit cannot sin. It's absolutely perfect for eternity. And that is who you are. That is who you are. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. When Jesus became sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 20, uh, 21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we became God's righteousness, but Jesus Christ became sin. He didn't take our sin upon him as something separate from him. He became sin. He became our fallen identity. He became our false perception. He became the fallen man. And when that happened, he took that old man, that false identity, to the cross and he crucified it. To get rid of it. Because we were crucified with Him. Okay? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ now lives within me. Galatians 3. So that spirit cannot sin. While Jesus became sin, while He was sin, while He was sin at the highest level of sin, I mean, He became the sin of every human being that ever existed. Right? He cried out, and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But God will not forsake you, and he will not leave you. Hebrews 13, 5, God will never leave you, never forsake you. But Jesus so much identified with the fallen man, that when he became sin, he experienced that feeling of the fallen man. How separated he was from God. But it was only in the mind of man. Now it was in the mind of Jesus Christ. Right, now, why was that sin? Well, he felt that God forsook him. Jesus cried out, and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Why he was sin? Why? Because his spirit 
could not be touched by sin. Because spirit is born of God, and spirit cannot sin. But Isaiah 53, 12 says, he says his soul was poured out into Hades. And in, in, in Acts 2.27 and in 31 he says that uh, you will not keep my soul in Hades. Mm. So did, did the Spirit go to, go to Hades? No. He went to the Father. The soul went to Hades. And his body went into the grave. Now listen, just think um, with your normal understanding, because it doesn't take much if you just think about it. If your body goes into the grave, and people believe that you are burning for eternity, now that body has decomposed and eventually there's nothing left. So will God give you a new eternal body so that you can be punished for eternity? Can you understand how we we, we didn't think about the stuff that was preached to us. Yeah. God will give you a new body, yes, but it's to live eternally within forever, and you will get that in the last session today. Okay? Because you're not supposed to die. Why? Because you were not created to die. You're not created to die. God didn't say, let us make man and let them die. <laughs> no. No. God said, let's make man in our image and likeness. Let them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion because my kingdom is forever. Yeah. My kingdom will fill the earth and you will dwell with him and reign with him for eternity here on earth. So the spirit man is absolute perfect. The spirit man, because it's spirit, needed a body to connect with the earth around Okay, that's why God formed the body. And the, the, the body was made in such a way that it can contain the spirit. But even if the spirit is inside the body, even if it's inside, there's no connection between the spirit realm and the natural realm. That's why he created the soul. Because the soul is the go-between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. Because the soul, the soul also comes from the from the earth, but it also comes from the heavens. It comes from God and from man. The two put together. So there's a connection between the spiritual and the natural. And without the soul, the spiritual life would never have been able to manifest here on earth. That's why man became a living soul. So God had to create man as a tripart being to fully express his glory here on earth. So you were created for that purpose, for his glory. Okay, the soul was supposed to be subject to the spirit. Because you know, if the soul, the soul in, in, in the Hebrew and the Greek languages are, are both female. The words gender is female. Okay? So the soul is the female, the spirit is the male. Now, of the two, which one is the seed and the seed? The soul. So the soul is a garden, it's like a womb mm. of a woman, receiving the seed and producing what was given from the male, from the spirit. Sure. So God planned it that way so that you could, could produce.
imbues himself in it through us so that the visibility of his glory can be manifested. And that was his plan. But the soul had to submit to the husband. The soul had to submit to the spirit. Because that's God's order. I'm not saying women must submit to men in the natural. That's not what was meant at all. But my, my, my soul, this woman, this female, the seed receiver, must submit to the spirit that's inside of me. Sure. To receive the truth, the word, the seed. Sure. So that there could be a birth. Amen. A birth of God's real man. Now can you imagine if the soul doesn't submit to the spirit? And gets a different husband and receives other seed. Mm. But it's a well watered garden. It's going to manifest whatever is sown in it. Yeah. So what was sown in the soul? A mistaken identity. Yeah. Yes. And you so much believe in that mistaken identity that you think that's I. It is so strong that you believe that is you. That's how strong it is. And we all got born with that seed in us. Because what is reproduced now is that seed that was sown. So Jesus had to come and change it all. That's why our minds needed to change. The Spirit was absolutely perfect. Jesus didn't die to save the Spirit. It never changed. It came to save your soul. Nowhere in the Bible you will find save your spirit, but you will find save your soul. The end of our faith is the saving of our soul, not the saving of our spirit. Your spirit doesn't need saving because it never sinned and it never died and it was never separated from God. It was always one with Him. So the Lord God. <clears throat> Genesis 2, somebody said to Albert, I don't believe in the spirit soul body business. It's just a soul and a body. Uh, give me scripture for that. And then uh, there's a scripture that is used that says that we are spirit soul and body. And they say, no, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not really applicable because there's only one scripture that says saying that. Because on, on, on the basis of two witnesses, Something will be established. That's what the word says. So I asked the Lord, Lord, give me a scripture that confirms that. And he gave me Genesis 2 verse 7. And he said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, that's a body. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that's a spirit. And man became a living being, that's a soul. Sure. <laughs> so they are the three. So you are spirit, soul, and body. Okay. Now, the soul man had to eat of the tree of life to receive knowledge to fulfill his purpose on earth. But then he received other seed. Remember? And when he received other seed, he produced according to that seed. Man had the glory of God in his fullest in his spirit. But he didn't have it in his soul. He didn't have it in his mind. Because his soul did not fulfill the purpose. 
it was the purpose of the soul was to receive seed from the spirit and manifest that was given inside of me. It's about it's about knowing God. You know, when when we read John 17, 3, he says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, and the only true God and Jesus Christ. Now we know that Adam didn't eat of the tree of life, remember? Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't eat of the tree of life. So if he didn't eat of the tree of life, he didn't have eternal life. He had eternal life in spirit, but he didn't have eternal life as a soul man that was walking in the garden that had to eat of the tree of life. You get that? Okay, so because Adam didn't eat of the tree of life, the soul of Adam, his mind, did not know God. He didn't know God and he didn't know Jesus Christ. Why not? He couldn't know. He couldn't know because he didn't eat of the tree of life. Now, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. That was the tree of eternal life. If you go eat of that tree, you will know it. Yes. Uh, Romans 3 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Fall short of the glory of God. So their purpose was not fulfilled. Now, how do I know that Adam didn't really know who God was? Because Jesus said so. Yes, he said so. Now listen to this. John 1 verse 18 says, it's John is speaking, but he's speaking what Jesus is standing for. And he's saying, no one, say no one, no one. has seen God at any time. No one has seen God at any time. The, the original text, when you look at it, it actually says, no one has accurately perceived God at any time. So they've seen God, but they haven't accurately perceived Him. They've seen Him in a way that, you know, they don't know Him that well, they don't know Him intimately. They don't receive seed from Him. They just know Him. You know the wife better than anybody else because there's an intimacy. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Okay, now listen to this. He says, no one has no one has accurately perceived God at any time. Now, if he says no one, no one has accurately perceived God at any time, but the Son who is in the bosom of the Father, the only God the Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him, represented him correctly. So Jesus came and represented the Father correctly, but everybody before him, no one at any time, has known God truly. So I don't really know God. And no prophet, no judge, no king, no righteous man or woman of God previously knew God in the way that we can know God today. Amen. No one. But Jesus Christ only begotten as a representative in Greek. Now, this, there's such a powerful thing, you know, the law requires certain things. And the law says if somebody commits adultery, that person needs to be stoned immediately and killed. With rocks. So the Pharisees brought this lady to uh, to Jesus. She was called red-handed in adultery. And they said, the Lord says she must be stoned. And you know what Jesus did? He represented the Father correctly. 
He showed us, although the law requires this, the true God is different. He's a God of love. And it's more about judgment and about killing. It's not about punishment. It's about restoration. Jesus said, where are your abusers? And she said, no, they, they left. He says, go. I don't judge you. Sure. But go and say no more. Hmm. Isn't, isn't that powerful? No. That's our Father's heart. That's the true God. That's the gospel. He accurately perceived him. And he accurately uh, 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 represents him. This is Christ. I love you. Adam received different knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. Instead of knowing God and Jesus Christ. And the gospel that we have today, in many instances, are preached through that knowledge. Because it's all about the law, and the law is good, knowledge of good and evil. And that gives it a wrong perception of our Father. And that's why people are not open to the gospel. Because they can't experience His love, they can't experience Him in it. And that's why we need to fix this. We need to get the word right and proclaim it in such a way that people's lives can be testified. Um, you know, when, when the, the word says in Second um, Corinthians 3, from the verse 14, it says, Every time when, the, when Moses is read, when the law is read, a veil covers their heart. Now, your heart is your true identity, so you read our natural spirit. Now, when, when that's happened, when, when they read the, the law, their true identity as a spirit man, a righteous, perfect spirit man, is covered. Every time. They can't see who they are. They can only see their mistaken identity. That's why the law, without the law, there's no knowledge of sin. Without the law, there's no knowledge of a mistaken identity. But the law gives knowledge of a mistaken identity, and you believe that's who you are. But it's not who you are. Because who you are has never changed. It's just your belief about who you are that's changed. God wants you to believe the right thing because if you know the truth, it will set you free. You don't need deliverance to be set free. Can I tell you something? If somebody discovers his true identity in Christ, they're free. So if you drive out a demon from somebody, you drive it out of the soul man, because the spirit man cannot have a demon, because he cannot sin. So to know the truth sets you free. And when you know yourself as who you are, you will walk free. I've seen that many times. People that come for um, counseling will come and say, I've got so many demons. I said, uh, okay, but you know who you are. Do you know who you are? What do you mean? I'm Puss. No, that's your name. 
That's not who you are. If you discover who you are, you are free. So stop working in the flesh. Why did Jesus drive out demons and all that? Because the spirit of man wasn't set free yet. The spirit of man was perfect, but it was covered with the veil of the law. And only when he fulfilled the law, the spirit of man could be free. Okay, we're going to go deeper into that. Is there something that you don't feel comfortable with? Just hanging in there. Because scripture will reveal it. Adam's true identity as a righteous spirit was veiled and covered. And so every other human. Alright. In 2 Corinthians 3.15 he says, But even to this day, when Moses the law, the knowledge of good and evil is read, a veil lies on the heart over the spirit identity. The true identity. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So, the veil is taken away. If the veil is taken away, um, is that a new person in the spirit? No, it's not a new person in the spirit. It's the same person in the spirit, because that's always been there. It's a new understanding. It's a new consciousness. And that is what is born again. Not the spirit, because the spirit never sinned. Second Corinthians 4 verse 3 it says, but even if our gospel is veiled, the good news, even if the good news, this fantastic news of what has been done is veiled, is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, the minds were blinded, okay, who do not believe, lest the light, the light, the revelation, that's what light is, lest the revelation of the gospel, the good news, of the glory of Christ, the fulfilled purpose of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So what happened is, man was created in God's image, is that true? Yes. But it was hidden, it wasn't revealed, because it was veiled. But Jesus came to take away the veil, because in Christ the veil is taken away, so we are revealed when the veil is taken away. We really are. It's revealed. And that is that perfect spirit that God created that cannot sin. Because if someone is born of God, he cannot sin. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves who born sinners for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light, the revelation, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This treasure of Christ within us, the hope of glory, Colossians 1 27. Where is it? In, in whom? In certain people. In everybody. Christ is in everybody. Okay? But they don't know it. Because it's failed through the law. Their minds are darkened. Their understanding was prevented from, from getting this knowledge. He says here in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, um, okay, let's just read verse 6 again. He says, 
to give the light the revelation of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why is faith important? Because it's about identity. He says, 2 Corinthians 3, 8, he says, but we all with unveiled face. Now, we have an unveiled face. We have an unveiled true identity. Mm. Now that we know who we are, when we look in the mirror, which is the word, when we look in the mirror, when we look into the word, we can see who we truly are. Oh, I'm a son of God. I'm holy. I am perfect. I'm righteous. I'm sanctified. The moment I see that, and I believe it, guess what? I fill my mind with those truths, and it grows and manifests in my life. Amen. Yes. But the moment when the soul man tries to do those things in his own power, he will realize that the things that I want to do, I do not do, and the things I don't want to do, those things I do. Who will set me free from this body of sin? Thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When the veil is taken away, and I understand my true identity, the truth will set me free. So your true identity was veiled. So when you discover Jesus Christ, you discover yourself also. Because he is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1, 15, 16. Okay? But you were created in his image. So if you want to discover who you are, you must discover who Christ is. Because Jesus didn't come to show us what we must become. He came to show us what we are. Because he came to, to show us the spirit man and not the soul man that we thought we were. He came to show us our real identity. And once we discover that real identity, nothing can stop you. Because now it's not a question of I'm not allowed to sin. It's now I have no desire for it. Because you live through the character of a new life. Amen. You live through, through him because he is your life. Colossians 3, verse 1, if then you have the race of Christ, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth, because your real new life is hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in the splendor of glory. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. You will appear with him. When he is revealed, you are revealed. Because that's your true identity. Yeah. That's who you really are. Man put the consciousness of sin instead of consciousness of righteousness. Yeah. You know, if, if Adam went uh, uh, instead of eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, remember what happened when he ate of that tree? His eyes were opened and he became aware of his nakedness. Right? Mm. So he became, became aware of shortcomings. Okay? He became aware of the mistaken identity. That's not who he really is. If he ate from this, the tree of life, he would have been covered by glory. And he would have seen his true identity. But he never got there. Remember? Veil is taken away in Christ. When the veil is taken away, you are revealed. Now, listen to this. The true gospel is a power. 
He says that in Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, that gospel, that good news, is the power of God. Mm. The good news. The good news is not you going to hell. The good news is that you have been born of God all along. Yes. And your spirit cannot sin. Stop living in the soul part of who you are. Start living from the spirit. Because walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5, 16, remember? Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All these scriptures are coming together into one because it's not about our own effort. It's about what God has done and now we just walk in Him and He's living through us and we, in Him we live and move and have our being and in us He lives and moves and have His being. Because we are in Him as He is in us. Okay, and we are the expression of Him. Look at the, the vine and the branches. It's all the same vine. It's the same tree. It's the same plant. And it expresses itself with fruit. With fruit. But the, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. No. It's through the connection, through the oneness with, with, with the vine. And if you are separate from him, there's no fruit. There's death. So in other words, there's no way that you can do something in your own power. So it was never about what you must do. It has always been about what he has done. Mm. Romans 1, 17. Listen to verse 16 and 17 all together. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, but also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So in the gospel, the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. So why is the good news that we're supposed to tell somebody? Tell somebody. We're supposed to tell somebody, you are righteous. That's the good news. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Because the gospel will tell you many things. It will tell you you have been perfected forever. Hebrews 10, 14 says, He has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Our gospel is not something where you tell somebody to do something to be saved. The gospel is the good news of you are saved because of what Christ has done. And we, are, we have become the righteousness of God because of what Jesus has done, not because of something that we must do. Amen. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from five to five as written, the just shall live by five. Now listen to this. You've thought about that one. The just, the righteous, because the word just is the kind of sune, from the same word, same root as righteousness. The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. It's not by faith you will become righteous. It says the righteous shall live by faith. We are the other way. That's why the gospel reveals your true identity. Psalm 82.5, they do not know 
nor do they understand it. They walk in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I say, you are gods, and all of you are children of the most high. But you shall die like men. Why? Because we don't believe the righteousness that we are in Christ. God didn't give us his righteousness. He made us his righteousness. 1 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And he's talking about my soul. He's not talking about my spirit. My, my soul and my body must reflect what my spirit knows. Yeah, that's good. You are revealed in the gospel because you are the righteousness of God. Do you believe that? Scripture says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? Jesus did not come to show you what you must become. He came to show you what and who you have always been. Colossians 1.21 You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. It's only in your mind that you were alienated. Not alienated by something else. In your mind, what you started believing because of a lie that was planted into your garden. As if God, you see, he says, we were alienated enemies in our mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you Listen to this. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And it sounds pretty righteous to me. Yeah. Holy, blameless and above reproach. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it says in his sight. That's an old translation like the New King James and the King James and the um, American Standard, New American Standard. And all these translations says his sight and it's in capital letter H. So it's in his sight. You know what shocked me? When I looked at the same scripture in the Young's Literal Translation, listen to this. Young's Literal is a literal translation of every single word. Nothing is added, nothing is taken away. Just like when God creates something. You know? It's absolutely perfectly said just as it is. And sometimes we need to just go back to that and see what was originally said. Listen to this. He says, Colossians 1.21, In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy, unblemished, and unblameable before himself. But the age of himself is now a small letter. So Jesus died to show us how blameless we are to ourselves. Because if God is the omniscient God, the all-knowing God, don't you think he would have known that we are blameless and above reproach? Why do you need to prove that to the all-knowing God? That to be proved to you. Because it's you that need to believe it. God doesn't need to believe it. He knows it. You need to understand it. And make it your own. Say thank you. That's what it's about. Your consciousness of your innocence. Oh. I was uh, 
dreaming. I don't dream a lot. I dream once in 10 years. But when I dream, God speaks to me. I was dreaming about two months ago. God said to me, Andre, do you know what righteousness is? I said, it's Ikaiosune. Immediately. He said, yes. That is what is known about it, and it's not wrong, it's fine, it's true. But can I give you right? Ikaiosune is your right standing before God. That's what the word means, righteousness. And uh, he said, but let me give you my, my view on it. I said, please, Lord, give it to me. And he said to me, righteousness is the consciousness of your innocence. It's the consciousness of your innocence. Mm. Now, just imagine, if you, if, if, you, if you feel guilty, you can't ask anything. Mm. Is that true? Yeah. That's what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his rule and reign, and his righteousness, and whatever you ask will be given unto you. All these things will be given unto you. Why? Because I will ask with confidence. Because I know my righteousness. I know I am the righteousness of God. Okay, so Jesus did not die to change God's mind about you. Jesus died to change your mind about you. Because God knows you, if God is spirit, and God says in his word that we have previously known Jesus Christ according to the flesh, but now we know him thus no longer, we know him through the spirit. Therefore, everyone should know each other according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. If that is God's heart, do you think that God will know you according to the flesh or will he know you according to the spirit? If God knows you according to the spirit and your spirit cannot sin, what is God looking at? He's looking at your perfection. He's not looking at your sin. So what do we do? We look at our imperfections. So Jesus had to die to convince us of our holiness and our blamelessness and our unblemishedness. So that we could understand how perfect we are in God's eyes. Not so that God could be convinced. Because God knows you according to spirit, not according to the flesh. Isn't that a wonderful God? Isn't that good news? Doesn't that excite you on the inside? I mean, don't you want to go and tell somebody? That's why the, the, the early church was so excited about the gospel. When they realized this truth, they ran everywhere and tell everybody. And God worked and confirmed the message. Why? Because it was a truth. Mm. Now, if we, call, if, we, if we tell people something different, we don't have the same reaction. Yeah. Because we are not as convinced as somebody that believes the truth. Yes. Because once you are convinced of this, nobody can reason you out of this. Because it's a revelation in your spirit yes. that fills your mind with truth. Mm. And now it produces accordingly. Is that true? Yes. Don't you just love him? Yeah, yeah. Yes. We love him because he first loved us. Yes. Yeah. Not because we are good. Oh, well, we are good, but you know, <laughs> that's not the reason why we love him. We love him because he's good. 
loving. The body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblemished, and unblameable before himself. This one. Ephesians 4 says their understanding were darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. We were alienated through ignorance. Ignorance is a common mind. Yeah. Because I refuse to look at what the truth is, I will just accept and believe what I have heard. Mm. Traditions and handouts mm. makes the word of God powerless, uh, Mark 7, 13. So we believe the things that was handed down to us. We will believe a gospel that is powerless and continue in a powerless gospel. And when we hear the true gospel, we will oppose it because we don't like what we hear. Because we resist the word of God. Because we don't like change. Because my tradition is more important than the truth. May God help us. The, the understanding that was darkened being enlightened. So Paul writes, Ephesians 1 17. So I'm going to quote this in Afrikaans because he says, At bitter till Jesus was so verhaald, and what he can see what he wants to know. But he saw the craft of the bag and can see what Christus said to the Ockerberg, it is no reason to know me that. But all that sit at the new supply, the work to Elke Gesak and Machen, what I want to make this. Daarom sit ons nou saam met Christus in die hemelse plekke. Amen. Hoe kan change that? Yes, Lord. He went into Hades. Hades, if you translate the word Hades. Anybody that knows what it means? Hades. It's called the Dwinarek, but if you translate the word. And the unseen. That's what it means, the unseen. What is unseen about you, your thoughts? He, he went into Hades. He went into the unseen. To say, repent, change your mind. That's what he did. He went into Hades. It's called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Where death reigns. Sure. Where death reigns. Well, death reigns through sin. Grace reigns through righteousness. Amen. Look into that. Ephesians 4 7 says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So gifts were given. There's not one person on this planet that didn't receive a gift. And, and I'm not talking about uh, you're a good tennis player or you're a good rugby player. We're talking about those gifts. Okay. We're talking about the gift of righteousness and the gift of grace. <laughs> we confirm that in scriptures just now. But let's just look at this. He says, but each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended 
far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Yeah. Now, who filled all things? The Word of God. The true seed, the truth of who we are, must fill our thinking. So that we can truly understand our identity. Because if I don't know my identity, it doesn't change my identity, but it changes my understanding of who I am. And as man believes in his soul, so is he. So it's important for me to believe in line with what, what, what's happening in my spirit. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended. So he went to that lowest place. He went to the lowest of lowest of lowest of thoughts of sin. Where people were stuck in that type of identity to bring them up from that position. That's where he went. And he says that he might fill all things. How did he set us free? By proclaiming the truth to the souls that believe the life. Because your, your spirit, although it was in captivity in the sense that your spirit uh, was covered with the law, remember? Your spirit never sinned. But your soul sinned. And your soul was the one that's keeping your spirit captive. Mm. Because of the wrong thinking, because your true identity is veiled. And because your true identity is veiled, who you really are cannot live. The Son of God, who you really are, cannot live. In its fullest, because it's, it's, it's there in that position where it's kept. So he kept our true identity. Man kept the true identity in prison through an inferior existence. Through an inferior existence. Because we didn't know who we are. And because I believe I'm this, I cannot be what I really am. Because my mind is so set on this. Luke 4, 18 says, Jesus came from the wilderness where he was tempted. And he came to the synagogue and he took the book roll of Isaiah that was to be read that day. And the place marker was at Isaiah 61. And he opened that scroll and he read it and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, the gospel to the poor. This is why he came. This is what, why the Spirit of the Lord is on him. The Spirit of the Lord is on Jesus to what? To preach the good news. Not bad news, the good news. The good news of their righteousness. The good news of their unblemishedness. The good news of their perfection. The good news of their sonship. The good news of their identity. The good news of who they are in the spirit. That's the good news. He says, um, he preached the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Ah, and some people thought it was people that's in jail. It's not people in jail. Liberty to the captives. Who was captive? Our spirits was captive. By our thinking. And he came to set us free 
by speaking truth to our thinking, and when we understand that, the veil is taken away, and who we truly are can come forth, and the captives are set free. I remember years ago, I was uh, at a camp, and Umrani Khansel was ministering there. Oh, it was such an experience. And he was talking about the freedom of the spirit. Um, when God sets the spirit free. And um, as I sat there, uh, suddenly there came a quietness in the, in, in the room. And everybody was just sitting and experiencing. Suddenly, the presence of God came in, into the room. And there was a, a whirlwind with um, leaves, dry leaves, came through in at the door, on the side, and go through out the door at the back. Mm. And there was a presence. Sure. And I felt a pain on the inside of me. I couldn't explain a pain that was inside of me. And I was I was trying to think how am I going to get rid of this? And, uh, and, and I thought maybe if I shout at the at the top of my voice, it will it will lift, it will come out, you know, it will be, be better. And I was looking around when I saw everybody was like sitting like this in the same sort of uh, situation. And then I decided I'm not going to look at other people, I'm just going to let go. And the moment I let go, that whole wall, everybody shouted with one voice. And God set people free like this. Some people fell off their chairs and a massive manifestation of the Spirit followed. And I realized that God set our spirits free from religion. Because we are kept in a certain mindset by religion. Yes. And we make the word of God powerless through religion. Mark 7.13. God wants to set us free and bring us in that place where His Spirit can truly flow through us. We are those captives that have been set free. In 1 Peter 4.6 he says, for this reason, the gospel was preached to those who are dead, um, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So he was talking to us. He was talking to that soul that kept that spirit there. And he says, um, the spirit cannot sin, cannot die, cannot sleep. The soul can sin, can miss the mark, can be alienated. And the body can die as a result of that. Because the body wasn't supposed to die. You were not created to die. You were created to live forever. It was only if your mind became dead that your body could become dead. Therefore, he says, awake, you will sleep. He's talking to the soul. Arise from the dead. The soul man is dead. And Christ will give you light, revelation, truth. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-four. Romans thirteen eleven says, Now it's high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So we start believing, and the process of our salvation is as we renew our minds. Because more of who we truly are are becoming free as our minds are being renewed. It's a process. Your real identity was veiled, but it's free now. Your innocence and your righteousness was veiled by knowledge of good and evil. 
we truly are with veiled. But when he said it's finished, the righteousness break free. Came out. So Adam's fallen mindset that we inherited. He sorted out on a cross. And he made us free. He says in Ephesians 4, 7, he says, But to each one of us, I was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, when he ascended, he, he ascended, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And he says there that um, he who ascended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens. Now, listen to what John 3, verse 13 says. He says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Okay. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Now, let me ask you this. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, We have been, even while we were sinners, we were made alive together with him. And we were raised with him. And he gave us joint seating with him, at the right hand of the Father. So we ascended with him. But we can only ascend with him if we came from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no one ascended unless he came from above. Yeah. Can you see that we were born from him, we were born from above? Yes. There's a difference between being born above and being born again. Okay? And uh, I've got another teaching that we explain that. But to be born again, in short, to be born again is when you receive a new consciousness of a truth. Okay? But to be born from above is something that has happened long time ago. You were born from God. Now this is let's get to the gospel. Are you ready for the gospel now? And I'm going to finish with this, okay. Listen to Ephesians 2 verse 4. It says, But God was rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. He's talking about who now? He's talking about the sinners. That's us. Because everybody sinned and fell short of the glory. They didn't fulfill the purpose. Now he says that, he says that, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So who does that include? Everybody. That is, even that vile person that doesn't know his true identity, doing all different kinds of things, he was also raised with Christ. Okay. Made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, made us together in any places. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Okay, then he says, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Yes, yeah, God's work. Yes, God's work. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So, since when were you in Christ? You were created in Christ. So that we are I don't believe me. You were created in Him. Created in Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of Christ. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before and that we should walk in them. Now, this is an interesting thing, you know, I said to someone this morning also. Um, 
we, we, we think sometimes that God is taking, um, uh, uh, is writing everything down, or maybe there's an angel that writes everything down that you have to read. You know, all the bad things you've done, there's a black book and, and there's a white book. I don't know how it looks, but that's what people thought. That God is keeping a record of all your wrongs. But 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Love does not keep record of rights. God is love. God does not keep record of everything you've done wrong. But the days of your life, Psalm 139 verse 16 says, the days of your lives are written down in his book. So what is written down? It's all your days in Christ that is written down. Because God knows you according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. So he only writes down what he sees in the Spirit. So he sees all your days in Christ and writes that down. He's never writing anything with your flesh down. Okay? So, by grace you have been saved. There are two gifts. The first one is a gift of righteousness. Romans 5, 17 says, For by one man's offense death reigned through the one. Much more, those who received grace and of the gift of righteousness were reigning in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as the one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification or to being made righteous in life. All men. Nobody is excluded. Second gift is the gift of grace. Romans 5.21 says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life of Jesus Christ the Lord. For by grace you have been saved, Ephesians 2.8, through faith. And that, not of yourselves, is the gift of God. So grace is the gift of God. 1 Peter Peter 4.10 says, as each one will receive the gift, minister to it or to one another, as good words, the manifold grace of God. Ephesians 3.6 says, The Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promises of Christ in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace given to me by the effective working of His power. Now, what worked the power? What did we say earlier? What was the power? The gospel is the power, remember? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God. Why? Because in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Remember? Listen to this. It says, Of which I became minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So Paul heard the gospel. And the gospel was the good news of his righteousness because Paul was trying to become righteous through the law. But when he heard the true message, it set him free and he knew that he was already perfect in Christ. But when he believed it, it could manifest through his life. The gift of grace was given by effective working of his power, the gospel. So what is the good news? Uh, The good news is simple. It's the good news of your justification, of your righteousness. It's the good news of your true identity. It's the good news of your sonship. It's the good news of a free gift that came to you. It's the good news of a gift that could not be earned, that was given. 
It's a good news of the righteousness that you became. It's a good news of your sanctification. Because Hebrews 13, 12 says, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. The blood of Jesus sanctified you. Hebrews mm. uh, 10, by that will we have been sanctified. You were sanctified by what Jesus did. Not by what you did. Yeah. So, sanctification is not something you can do. It's something he has done. If you believe it, it will manifest. Yes, the Bible God. Okay. But if you try to do it yourself, you will find the things that you cannot do, you want to do, things that you don't want to do, you do, and so forth and so forth. You became his righteousness to Second Corinthians 5.21. You're sanctified. You are perfected. Hebrews 10, 14 says he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are being sanctified. You know the word perfected there is the word teleso. It's a root word for the word that was used on the cross when he said it is finished. When he said it is finished, he said tetelestai. Tetelestai. Okay, tetelestai means they are perfected. That's what he said on the cross. You are perfected. You are righteous. Nothing can be added. Nothing can be taken away. Why? Because God did it. Whatever God does is forever. Nobody can take away from it. Nobody can add to it. The gospel is good news of reconciliation. He says, Colossians 1.21, that you once were alienated the enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, sanctified, and blameless, and above reproach in sight. The gospel is the good news of your redemption. Hebrews 9 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. Say for all. For all. How many times? Once. Once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. What did he obtain? Eternal. Is it redemption until I sin the next time? No. It's eternal redemption. That's why the word says in Hebrews 9, verse 26, that he went at the end of time to bring the offering so that all sin could be included in the one offering. Otherwise, he would have been crucified multiple times every time somebody sinned. So he went to the end of time with a perfect work. I said, I declare you righteous, holy. Perfected. Nothing can be taken away. Nothing can be added. Because perfection is perfection. You can't add something to perfection. Yes, forever complete is yes, and perfected. Those who are being sanctified. You have eternal redemption. It's a good news of your forgiveness. Ephesians 1 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You don't have forgiveness of sins through confession. <coughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> There's one scripture in the whole New Testament that says you must confess your sins. Okay? Actually, two, because there's another one in James that says you must confess your sins openly towards each other. But the other one says, if we confess our sins, He is good and faithful to forgive us all our transgressions. Remember that? 
is in first John 1 verse 8. Okay. But listen. The word confess is a Greek word homo logeo. And it means to say the same thing. Homo, the same. And logeo means to speak because it's the it's it's, it's the act or, or the the um, the verb of um, the logos, which is the word. So it's to speak. Homo logeo. To speak the same thing. To speak the same thing as what? The same thing as God. What is God saying to his witness? He says you are holy, you are perfected, you are sanctified, you are glorified, you are magnificent, there's nothing wrong with you. If you agree with him, then you are confessing. But if you say something different, you're not in agreement, then you're not confessing at all. So if you confess sin, are you confessing or not? Now you're saying something different? That came out wrong. <laughs> what did I say now? It's the truth. That's the truth. Have you ever thought of that? Now, the word homologeo is used 23 times in Scripture, uh, in the New Testament. Homologeo. 23 times. Two of those 23 is confession of sins. The two scriptures I mentioned just now. The other 21 times, it is confessing Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's take a simple one. Romans 10 verse 9. As you in your heart glow, and with your mouth you soon as will I say the As you in your heart glow, and with your mouth you are Jesus will I say the Bible. To make it clear that you soon as will I. And one of the other in the New Testament Stand the word confess for confess him or confess Jesus Christ. But the point is, it's not about confession of sin. Because God is not interested in sin. Because sin comes from the flesh. And God doesn't know you according to the flesh. God knows you according to the spirit. God is not interested in what you have done that is wrong. God is interested in you knowing who you are in Him. It's a good news of eternal redemption. Forgiveness. The gospel is good news of your freedom, of your death. Isn't that great? It's a good news of your death. The old man. It's a good news of your resurrection. You have been raised with Him. It's a good news of your inclusion. Do you, do you know how you are in Him? Uh, go to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. It says, Of Him, of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us sanctification and redemption and righteousness. Christ became all those things for us. Of God, you are in Him. Don't your own work. God put you there. The freedom of your spirit. I just sense that God wants us to, to finally set our spirits free today. Yes. Because you know the, 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 the caterpillar, when he goes and um, he becomes something else inside a 
but the good. It's a different life form. Something totally else. But can you just think that even if he became a, that life form that is all limited, can fly everywhere? I mean, it's, it's blown by the wind. Look at the caterpillar. I mean, look at the caterpillar. It's limited by this little tree and this leaf that he's eating. That's where he lives. And he's like bird food. You know? But the, the butterfly, the butterfly is free. You can go anywhere. Blown by the wind. Have you seen a butterfly? It's flying straight that way. It's like this way and this way. He says, so is everyone that is born the spirit. Like the wind. Nobody knows where he's coming and where he's going. Do you know where a butterfly goes? No. He's not going anywhere. He is everywhere. Where he's supposed to be. Okay. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> So, your spirit is only limited and kept in bondage by your thinking. And if your thinking is changed so that your spirit can become free, can you imagine what your experience of life will be? No guilt, no consciousness of sin. Because you are filled with the word of God in your mind, and because that word is in your mind, now suddenly it produces this, the, what is sown. You know? And when, when it produces what it is sown, it is holiness and righteousness and perfection and all that stuff is produced. But if you believe the other thing, it produces that. So, Father, I want to pray for every person in this building today. And I want to ask you, Lord, that you will set their spirits free. Yes. You have already done that. I know you have already done that. But I ask that you will renew their minds so that their spirits can be free in reality. Pray, Father, that the word will penetrate and will accomplish what it is said for today. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen.